You know, as long as they're not babysitting and there's some discipline, that seems like a pretty good idea. It's right? going to be, I think it's going to be patterned after like a normal school day. It'll be about six hours long. There'll be breaks. There'll be lunch. and But it's not mandatory. So there, right, you, there right. you go. Well, if it's not mandatory, maybe you'll get the kids who actually want to catch now, up and learn. I haven't dug into this to see if it's like you can go one Saturday, not go one Saturday, or if you opt in, you're committing to go for a I certain see. period of time. Right. Uh, you right. know, I, I would think that, you know, Families have the option of opting in, but if you opt in, then maybe you're committing to go in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. That would make sense, but mm-hmm. I don't know that to be sure. Uh, can I say something that's racial? I don't think it's racist, but it's racial. I bet you those Asian families will take advantage of that. I bet. You know, we should study Asian home life and Asian attitudes. This is a broad statement, but I think there's some truth to it. Probably not everybody. But there's a reason that these Asian students are kicking everybody else's tail. And maybe instead of complaining and whining and making up excuses for why white kids, black kids, other kids aren't doing well in school, maybe you should study what the Asian families are doing right. It may not be something you want to emulate completely, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 you're not allowed to talk about this stuff. But there are examples out there by community of people who are really motivated and they know their, you know, the future of their family and their kids success is based on really pushing and driving and no excuses. Um, it was interesting. I was at the symphony at the concert hall at St. Christopher's the other night and it took me a while, but you know, you're listening to the music and there's no visual other than the, people who were playing and I couldn't see everybody's face, but I wanted to add up how many Asians were on the stage, how many Asian people who are probably about my age, maybe a little younger, who this is their passion. This is something that they, I, I assume started when they were kids and, uh, you know, learning to play a violin or a stringed instrument. And I just think we could learn a lot from people who, economically are doing pretty well and socially seem to be holding their families together. I'm sure everything's not perfect. You know, even the perfect family, when you get in that house, you find out it isn't perfect, but they're doing something right. And I would pay attention to that. Right. Instead of, instead of complaining that it's all rigged against you. You think people loved Asians 50 years ago, 60 years ago. I don't think so, but somehow they managed to push through and everybody else is just um, raising hell, acting like they should be given something. Now, those are generic statements, but you, you, you get my points. 808 on this Tuesday morning. It's the 30th day of January 2024. I'm John Reed, and I'm glad you're with us here on News Radio WRVA. My old friend Greg Angelo uh, is the president of the New Tolerance Campaign. We've talked to Greg a couple of times about his push. One of the things that I saw you post on Facebook. Uh, on the new tolerance campaign uh, Facebook page, Greg, was that you think that the revenge is coming for uh, you know the behavior against uh, the the president of Harvard? Is that is that of concern for you? Um, what do, what do you, what are you thinking? You mean in terms of like uh, is are the forces that pushed to push Claudine Gay out of Harvard? 
going to be uh, pushing back? Is that, is that what you're getting Well, at? the way I read it, and this is why I wanted to talk to you, was <laughs> we yeah. should all brace ourselves because the, uh, the, the left-wing wackos aren't going to go quietly. They're not going to look at Claudine Gay and go, wow, we probably shouldn't have hired her in the first place. And then when they flagged the, the plagiarism, we should have taken action like we would with anybody else and gotten rid of her. Um, and now we're embarrassed and angry. And some people uh, are humbled by that, but not these folks. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that, uh, you know, if you are an activist on the center right, you should never let your guard down yeah, right. uh, because the left always tends to be one step ahead of us mm-hmm. when it comes to innovative ways uh, to, to, to pursue power grabs. I think that I maybe take a more optimistic view right here and optimistic okay. because this is one of the, the rarer times that people on the center right have been on offense, and I really have to tip my hat to Christopher Rufo, who's been at the tip of the spear. We have worked with him on numerous occasions at the New Tolerance Campaign, and in terms of fighting back against major institutions that are responsible for the cultural rot that we are seeing in our country right now, you know, universities and colleges being among them, Harvard probably being um, the best known, uh, you know, you are seeing, I think, academia right now, not just at Harvard, but there's been this ripple effect where, you know, I, th- I think it might actually be one of the best kept secrets in academia that people plag- plagiarize each other's work all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think there's a, there's a genuine fear uh, among many of those activists. And as a result, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they are plotting to try to uh, strike back or, you know, crush this rather nascent movement uh, to hold them accountable. Yeah. What, what, where else do you see the immediate battlefields where activists like Chris Rufo, and I got to give that guy credit too, you know, there are a few of you guys who were out there at some personal risk, certainly at professional risk, knowing that some right. big, you know, some big corporation isn't probably going to save the day if, if things collapse for you and make sure you've got a good salary going forward. It's, it's, it's risky to be out right. here advocating the way you are. What, where, where are the other battlefields where you think conservative activists can have a, a, a real impact? Well, there's a major one that I shed light on in a New York Post op-ed just this past weekend. It came out on Sunday, mm-hmm. and that is the Council for American Islamic Relations Care, uh, which is an uh, organization that you know, purportedly exists to combat Islamophobia, like so many nonprofit organizations that the New Tolerance Campaign pushes back on and holds accountable on paper, it has a very noble mission, uh, you know, very similar to the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, you know, or, uh, or, or the ACLU. you start studying them and realize that right. it's, they're, they're hacktivists who are really belligerent and they're going after people. They're not, there's nothing benign and nice about a lot of these groups. Exactly, exactly. And, and just specific to CARE, what we've seen is the group's longtime national executive director, Nehad Awad, in a public forum on December 7th, said he was, quote, happy to see the Hamas terrorist attack on innocent Israeli civilians that killed over 1,200 Israeli civilians on October 7th. Uh, does this sound like the words of a man should, who should be heading yeah. what is supposed to be the country's preeminent organization combating Islamophobia? Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. So what we did is we, had, we took a cue from uh, what happened at Harvard. We had billboard trucks that circled the Capitol building here in Washington, D.C., 
with photos of every United States senator that has praised CARE in the past, mm. asking them to disassociate themselves from the organization. Well, you know, you have people like Tammy Baldwin, who actually did, and said she would never support CARE again. Um, oh, well, you got her on the record and, and pushed her off of her, her stance. Now, that's interesting. That, that, I'm kind of shocked by that, that you were that effective. Yeah, and, and, yeah and, and you know what's off the record, though? The page on CARE's website proudly listing all of their endorsements from elected officials. Three days after we sent those trucks out, that page was quietly taken down by CARE. There's a story on FoxNews.com uh-huh. uh, about, about that happening. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there are other individuals and organizations that uh, can step up to do the, the real work of combating Islamophobia. Uh, but if you look at uh, the, the, um, the, the deeper controversies at CARE, it's not just what their executive director said on December 7th about the terrorist attack by Hamas in Israel. That organization has a history of sexual harassment, misogyny downplaying um, uh, uh, instances of sexual harassment that are happening on the job, even has a history of intra-faith religious discrimination. Hmm. So among employees working at, at, uh, at CARE, uh, people are um, being given preferential treatment because of the brand of, uh, um, of Islam that they, that they practice. So the thing stinks to high heaven. Uh, you know, you, as, as you mentioned, you can go to our website, newtolerance.org, and read more about the work that we're doing there. But, you know, especially at this time where there is this threat, not just in the Middle East, but, you know, sad to say, even even here in the United States uh, about increased terror risk, uh, but also at the same time needing to balance that, you know, with the understanding that, you know, while there is such a thing as radical Islamic terrorism, not all people who are Muslim are radical Islamists. Uh, and I don't think care is the one to uh, to carry the mantle. There. Yeah, it is we're weird. The, def- the default mindset of the average, I think, decent person is, oh, it's a minority group, so I need to listen to what they have to say, and I certainly can't criticize them because they're a minority group. Meanwhile, if you dare to say, hey, wait a minute, um, I don't like you calling whiteness a disease or whiteness is the problem in America, and you kind of go, that sounds like racism to me, directed at white people who are not that, – that's not a uniform uh, uh, attitude in the country – Suddenly, you're a part of the KKK. You know, you're, right. you're that, that. Somehow, we've got to correct that imbalance. Yeah, and, and that really is what's at the heart of the work we're doing right now at, at NTC. Because, you know, John, what you're talking about is not something that emerged overnight. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can talk about this this shift. You know, you started the segment kind of talking about culture and what's happened in our culture. And when we look around and we look at things like you know woke, or we look at things like cancel culture, or we look at the way that Americans are now being encouraged to look at one another primarily and maybe even exclusively mm-hmm. through the lens of race or sexual orientation or your gender or, you know, whatever the case might be. Uh, these things did not happen overnight, uh, and it's no accident. It's the institutions that ha- are well-financed, that are extremely powerful, that have been uh, taken over, I would say even poisoned, by forces on the left that have weaponized them right. in order to create circumstances in which things happen, like people can be fired from their jobs for their personally held beliefs, where people of faith are being attacked, where uh, Americans are, uh, you know, kind of inflicted with this uh, reverse racism right now, where uh, there is nothing, they are told that there is nothing more important than the color of your skin, which just boggles the mind. You know, we, we celebrated Martin Luther King Day just a couple of weeks ago. It's almost as though we're backsliding 
there. But, you know, what's happening is that causes this strife between Americans. It silences people. Uh, and ultimately, it's not good for our discourse, our politics or our society. So we're doing work right now at New Tolerance Campaign, allowing everyday Americans to push back on those institutions. And as I mentioned, with care, we're getting results. Greg Angelo is the president of the New Tolerance Campaign, my old friend uh, from my time in D.C., and I always appreciate that you're fighting the fight and willing to come talk to us. Thanks, Greg. Always happy to. And, John, this is my first time speaking to you as a resident of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, so welcome to, to the, to the good side. Resident. <laughs> okay. That's you got your work right, cut man. out for you if you're in northern Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Better than D.C. You got than it, man. Let me you, tell you that. Right. You're safe, minimally, probably. And, and <laughs> you just right. got to work That's politically. Right. Thanks, Greg. It's 818. We're back with more in a moment on News Radio WRVA.